Welcome to our Christmas Eve service. Uh, so this is a, a simple service that we do. Um, we're just going to go through the Christmas story. And we're just going to go through a little bit of the book of Luke. And we are just going to look and see what it tells us about Jesus. And, and there's a simple truth that I just want us to see tonight. Just, just one simple truth. And that there is a connection between glory and humility. So we're going to look at three counts of, or three readings um, that surround the birth of Jesus. And as we read through them, as we look at them, uh, I just want us to look just briefly what, what do we see about the humility of Christ and, and the glory of God that's being demonstrated and so we're actually going to have three people uh, read the text, uh, and they're going to come up here, and they're going to read, and they're going to sit, and after each reading, we'll talk a little bit about them. But I want you just to think, if you were God, I know this is a dangerous thing, if you were God, but just, if you were God, and you were going to make yourself known, reveal yourself to the world, how would you do it? If you were going to send forth your son, who is the king of nations, the Lord of lords, and you're going to reveal him to the earth, how would you go about doing that? I just want you to think about that as we go into our text. And I'm going to ask, uh, I think Robert has our first reading. If Robert wants to come. And each, uh, just so all you guys know, when you come, you're going to have to flip that little switch up on the microphone as you do it. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> From the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is a sixth month with her, who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Thanks, Robert. I just want you to look at this. Verse 32, an angel appears, and he says, this is the description of the child that Mary will have. He'll be called Son of the Most High. He will be given the throne of his father, David. So he comes in the line of David. He comes to be a king. And then we read about his rule. He'll reign over the house of Jacob, meaning all of the people of God. And then it says, and his kingdom, there will be no end. So what we have is we have a king. He's going to be a divine king. He's going to rule over all of God's people. And his kingdom will never, ever end. 
That's a pretty momentous moment here. And now, again, who would you inform? Who would you want to know this amazing truth? And what we see here is that it's revealed to most likely a 14-year-old virgin, unmarried girl. And that's who God says, this is who I want to reveal my plan to. And notice, notice the description of Mary, O favored one. Why was she favored? Well, text doesn't tell us. But what we see is that God has no problem using this humble young girl. Because he doesn't need a great entourage for his son. He doesn't need to be made great. He is great. And because God is great and He is glorious, He doesn't need to dress up the birth. He doesn't need to use rich people, powerful people, mighty people in order to make Him strong. But He is strong. And therefore, He's able to use anyone. And in using them, He reveals His glory and His might and His strength. Jeff's now going to come. Wait, no, not Jeff. Roy's now going to come. And he's going to read the second passage. You tricked me by coming up here. And my passage is uh, Luke 2, verse 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Canarius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Thanks, Roy. Rome has called for a census to be given. The whole world is in transition. Everyone's going back to their hometowns. This is why Joseph and Mary are making their way back to Bethlehem. And notice, in this massive passage of movement of all the world, we have verse 6. While they were there, the time came to give birth. There it is, the birth of God. Jesus Christ has come into the world, and that's how Luke describes it. Verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, claws, and laid him in you know, the throne room. That's what we want to think, but it's in a manger. There, there's animals. It probably sounds a little like this, which I think is kind of cool. Like, babies are making noise. Like, just so you know, that, that's very much what the first Christmas was like, Right? Like there's animals making noise. It's kind of a chaotic scene. Shepherds we'll see in a moment are running into them, into the room. There's a little bit of chaos here, but, but Jesus is no, in no throne room. Again, he does not need gold in order to display his power. He does not need a mighty throne. He does not need a, a gold uh, bassinet for him to come into. But he's born in a manger. And, and what's neat about this passage it appears to show the strength of Rome, right? I mean, Rome is called for this census, and that's why everyone is moving. But if you know, uh, 
If you know a little bit about the Bible, back in Micah chapter 5 or 6, I believe it is, we are told that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And so what we know is while it looks like Rome is exerting its power and its strength, calling for all people to go back to their hometowns, this is really the divine sovereignty of God moving behind the scenes here that Jesus would come, be born in Bethlehem, thus fulfilling Scripture written five, six, seven hundred years earlier. But again, notice, we have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and He's presented in great humility. Okay, we have one more reading, and Jeff's going to read uh, 8 through 21 in chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Thanks. So we've gone fairly quickly, but through the birth narrative of Jesus. And this last one, again, remember, think just through. You're God and, and you're going to bring your son into the world. Who do you want to be there on that day? Who do you want to, to be there to receive their king, the Messiah, the Lord? And, and what we have is we have shepherds. Now, if you know a little of the first century, shepherds were not looked up to, but they were looked down to. This is one of the most despised positions that you have. So just as earlier, we have an angel appearing to a, a, low, a lowly virgin girl, which would have been right around one of the lowest in the social class. Now here in chapter 2, the, the angels have come not to kings, not to governors, not to any of the Pharisees or the scribes, but he goes out into the fields. The angels are sent there where there will come to, to the shepherds some of the lowest people in all of the social class. And what we have is the angel Lord appears to them and the glory of the Lord shines around them. Can you just imagine that picture? You're in a dark, uh, dark sky. The stars are lit up. And all of a sudden, the glory of God has filled around you. And he says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is the news that brings great joy to all people. And it's given to shepherds. 
It's given to shepherds. And so what we see is that they run off, they find the baby, they tell them all that has happened, they leave and they're glorifying God and they're praising God. And this is the way that God has sent his son Jesus into the world. What we see here is that humility surrounds the entire passage And what we see is that is through the Bible, God continually reveals his glory in humility. If you remember in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 7, we're told the reason God chose Israel was not because they were powerful, not because they were mighty, but because they were the least. If you remember David, David uh, becomes the greatest king and he was the youngest of the brothers. If you remember the story of Joseph, Joseph was the youngest of the brothers, yet he was chosen and he was eventually made second in command of all of Egypt. One of the greatest kings in the Old Testament, Josiah, began at eight years old and performed an amazing reformation in the life of Israel. God continually reveals his glory through humility. And I want to read one more passage today. And I'll read this one. It comes from uh, Philippians chapter 2. And so this is Paul writing, and he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So he turns to the church and he says, This is how we are to think. He says, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus begins in a manger, his life ends on a cross. Humility surrounds his entire life. If you know John chapter 6, he feeds 5,000 people, they come, they want to make him king, and he effectively turns them away. His life is surrounded throughout humility. He does not become great in what the world would say. But he eventually goes to the cross where he dies a most gruesome death. And then we keep reading in verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every knee. Name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The path to glory began at a manger and ended on a cross. We see that God reveals his glory in humility. It's because Jesus lays aside his glory, comes to this earth, born in a manger, surrounded by shepherds, lives mostly an unknown life until the very end of his lifetime, where eventually he is hated, he is beaten, he is crucified, People look down upon him, and then he's taken up into glory, where he now sits at the right hand of the Father, ruling over all the nations. God loves to reveal his glory through might, or loves to reveal his glory through humility. The reason is because he is glorious. It's because he is mighty. The reason you and I, we approach things very differently is because we are not almighty. We are not all glorious. We are not all powerful. We are not rich. 
And so what we do is we surround ourselves with those things to to give the appearance of them, to to make people see those things. But God is glorious. He is powerful. He doesn't need powerful people to make him powerful. And so that is why he comes and makes his glory known to the very least of these so that they would then come and enjoy his glory forever. And so one of the things I love about Christmas is as we come, we are not coming to celebrate that Jesus came to save an elite class of people. We're not coming to see that Jesus only saves those who meet certain qualifications. But what we see is that because God is glorious, He is almighty and all-powerful, He doesn't need to surround Himself with only certain types of people. But He comes and He loves to surround Himself with the lowliest of people. He loves to surround Himself with those who say, I have nothing but Christ. And so what I love about Christmas is we come around, it's not necessarily about all the presents and about the tree and the lights, which I love those things and they're great, but it's a time to come and realize our God has come to save the least of these. And guess what? We are the least. Because compared to God, we have no glory, we have no might, we have no riches, we have no strength. But He comes so that by His grace, He would save us and bring us into His glory and that we would experience His might and His power and His riches for all of eternity. And so I want to encourage you. Christmas, it's a wonderful time. And and you're going to open presents and you're going to love that. But let these presents lead you to the great gift of Jesus Christ. To remember that Christmas is ultimately about Christ coming down to us because we can't come to him and he comes like us humble in the most humble of ways so that he would be able to empathize with us in every single way and that he would be able to meet our needs that he would be able to know how we feel he'd be able to comfort us exactly how we need to be comforted so as we believe in him as we trust in him as we walk according to as he calls us to he would fill us with his grace and that we would spend eternity with him. So remember, as we come around Christmas, and parents especially, as you, as you have your children, let them know that, that we give great gifts as a way of showing our children the love that we have. And our Heavenly Father gives the greatest gift, His Son Jesus, to show His great love that He has for us. Not because we're worth it, not because He needs us, because He doesn't but because he desires to save us, that we would be in his presence for all of eternity. And so as, as you read, and I encourage you to read the Christmas story again. Maybe you do that tonight. Maybe you do that in the morning. You do that with your children. Maybe before you open Christmas presents, that's what we do. Um, sit there for a moment and let your kids see who Jesus is. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one whose rule will never end. And he's come to earth to walk on the very ground that we walk so that we can be saved by his grace. So I'm going to pray. And we have a a couple songs and we are going to pass out. You already have candles. Hopefully you have candles. If you do not get a candle, uh, feel free. I think there's a few candles at that back door. Um, And we will begin lighting them from the front. And we'll need your help as you help light the candles around you. And this whole room will then be lit. Um, I'm going to pray, and the team will come up. Our Father, 
We thank you that you are God. We thank you that you have sent your son Jesus and that he has come in great humility. And God, it's because he's come in humility and he's walked humbly on this earth that through that you have revealed your glory. You have revealed him to be the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the Christ figure, the one who if we believe in, we are forgiven of all of our sins, that we would have new life, eternal life with you. And God, may we know that just as your son came in humility and through the path of humility, he has now been exalted. We know that as we humbly now follow Jesus Christ as our king, you too will exalt us and bring us into your glory one day. And God, we praise you and we thank you. God, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you that because we can't come to you, you have sent your son Jesus to come to us. In your wonderful name, Jesus, amen.